So last week I ended with a quote from Shenzhen Young on equanimity, um, what he calls the radical permission to feel what you were feeling and um, stated that we would come back to, to that more this week. So I really wanna look, hone in uh, on Shenzhen Young's way of understanding this idea of this um, quality of equanimity and, and how this can be practical um, for, for meeting what's confusing in our lives, for meeting the world. Uh, I just love this definition. I'd never heard anyone name equanimity quite this way before as a radical permission to feel. So I wanna draw from one of his writings, um, share a little more uh, about the way he talks about it. He says, equanimity is a fundamental skill for self-exploration self -exploration and emotional intelligence. And that it is a skill that is often misunderstood and easily confused for apathy, um, for inexpressiveness. And I would add um, frequently confused for passive non-action. Um, it's, it's none of that. It is radically the opposite of all of those places. And I think when you, when you hear a little more about what he says, that, that begins to make sense. One, he notes how the word itself comes from the Latin, um, two, two particular roots. One root is balance and the other is animus, um, which is spirit or internal state. So it's kind of a balanced spirit, a balanced internal being. I would, I would have to add just in my own experience, balance, that, that sounds like it's all, all like a done deal, like you get to a place and that's it. So, you know, for me, when I think of, of these words with it, it's more about balancing. Um, it's more about a flowing um, with balancing. Um, um, not a balanced thing, one and done. He goes on and talks about in the physical world, we say a person has lost their balance if they fall to one side or another. In the same way, when we lose our internal balance, we tend to fall in one of two ways. The first way is suppression. Uh, a thought, a feeling arises and we attempt a difficult thought, a challenging thought, feeling arises and we attempt to cope with it by stuffing it down, uh, by, by denying it, by tightening against it, by pretending it doesn't exist, by somehow trying to shove it away. The other way that we can fall um, um, losing our internal balance is identification, um, over identifying with it. So again, a challenging thought feeling arises and it doesn't have to be challenging. I can say that for both. It's interesting, pleasant can be triggering in a way that we do the same thing with pleasant and the good um, as well. So it's more that um, some sort of state um, thought feeling arises that we fixate onto, um, try to hold onto it inappropriately. Um, and, and I love the way he says this, 
not letting it arise, spread and pass with its normal, with its natural rhythm. So suppression is trying to pretend it isn't there. Identification is being caught up in the story in a way that might be anger, bewilderment, confusion. Um, and both of these are unconscious reaction, reactivities from our survival part of our brain. Between suppression and over-identification, there lies a third possibility which he calls the balanced state of non-self-interference. Non-self-interference. Um, another way that he defines equanimity. And again, I would have to put in the word balancing, <laughs> a balancing state of non-self-interference. So this idea of non-self-interference, you know, what the heck does that mean? kind of a confusing notion potentially to get our heads wrapped around. Again, it has nothing to do with non-action, apathy, or indifference. Not the realm that we're in. Actually quite the opposite. It is a way of stepping out of the internal battle within our own selves that we are enacting either through suppression or identification. And in that stepping out of the battle with what is here, we free up our energy for a more appropriate, more helpful, skillful response. So Shenzhen Young says, non-self-interference has to do with the radical permission to feel what you are feeling. I wanna share one way I find very helpful with, pra with practicing with these ideas and taking it from this kind of theoretical, you know, still non-self-interference has to do with the radical permission to feel what you're feeling. In practical terms, what does that mean? Here's one way um, I, practice, I practice with it that I find very, very helpful. And at first it might seem not particularly related to equanimity, but I invite you to um, um, be curious about this, experiment with it, try it out for your own self and see what happens. So this is the practice of breaking things down into their parts. That's kind of what we did um, some in the meditation. Taking the tangled mess of, of a reactive moment and beginning to untangle it into parts such as this is the thought, this is the, the emotion, this is the body sensation, this is the feeling tone, pleasant, unpleasant. Um, breaking it down into the parts, being able to see the parts and then not conflate them, then not add on to them. So it's a way of learning to let feelings just be feelings, thoughts just be thoughts. Had a uh, example of this yesterday in our walking meditation and thank you to Maureen and Nancy and Paul for helping organize that yesterday. Um, hope y'all will come join for our next one in December. Uh, but we met at the Mint um, outside yesterday, had this beautiful, and Alan was there too, um, beautiful walking out there. 
I had a perfect example of this out there. Um, since it's a big space, the, the question was, once we did our little opening, how are we all going to know when 30 minutes was up to, to come back to our starting place? So I, I pulled out my phone and set my insight timer um, for I just hit the 30 minute um, um, you know, format that I had already preset. And then I went out walking. I got three minutes exactly <laughs> into my walk and I heard this beautiful bell. And, you know, for a moment, all it was, was this just beautiful bell sound. And then there was a memory. Oh yeah, I forgot I had my 30 minute format with the bell to ring at three minutes. Um, and then um, I had this just kind of let frog into, wow, wouldn't the bell nice? Wouldn't that be nice to hear the bell every three minutes for this walk? Wonder if I should change my insight timer to set for every three minutes. So I get to hear that bell over and over and over and you know, like, blah, and I called it. And that breaking it down into the parts, you know, first there was just the sound. Then there was that the sound was pleasant. It was a pleasant sound. And then there was clinging to the sound. I want more. Then that wanting more proliferated into this whole kind of emotional, yes, I want, I want the clinching into trying to get this. And this thought of, oh, I can just go. And you know, then I'm down a rabbit hole. And to just break it back, bring it back to this is sound. This was pleasant. And then do I need to go any further than that? Do I really want on my walking meditation to be sitting here messing with my iPhone? No, I absolutely don't. And so it was a way of kind of cutting through the whole, the whole um, story without needing to go to any suppression, which might've been, oh my gosh, I got to be a good meditator. Let me, let me, let me not, you know, let me not go to my iPhone and let me not do anything of this or fight. You know, I could have gone into a whole internal battle with myself to do it or not. And I'm making this whole big thing out of it. It actually took about five seconds. Um, um, but that breaking it into the parts made the decision be this natural non-self-interference as opposed to a trying to be good or a knowing I was giving in to whatever. So what about when it's harder than that? That was like a really straight up simple moment. Last week I shared with some people an example that happened for me. Um, um, but I want to come back to it because I think this breaking down into parts is really useful. And sometimes it's useful to hear what that might look like in, in something that is more challenging. So I got up one morning, was reading the headlines, the news, and read one particular headline uh, that um, triggered this wave of fear, just absolute wave of fear. And almost as soon as I read the headline, there was this knee-jerk reaction of, oh, don't want to see that one. How do I pretend I didn't actually read that? Immediate 
to escape. Don't want to go down that road. Lovely thing about the practice is we can catch those moments. The practice is not about not having our reactivity. It's about knowing how to be much more skillful in the midst of it. So almost as quick as I wanted to like bounce off of it, I caught myself doing it and had this moment of, huh, can I bring some curiosity to what's happening right here? Breaking it down into its parts is one of the most helpful ways I know of to be with a hot, tangled mess that's hard to touch. So the first, the top layer, just to recognize all I read was a headline. And that headline was enough to conjure this whole scary story about how the nation was going to fall apart because of those people. Recognizing, wow, listen to that whole thought train that just came out of these simple words and, and how that thought train, that future projection is taken as an absolute reality. It's just a future projection, not absolute reality. But in that moment of reactivity is taken as a truth, as what is. So then that was kind of the top layer. Checking underneath the story was like checking in my body. If you're in doubt where to go, go to the body. The body is always helpful to clarify what's going on at any moment. What I found in my body in this moment was, I mean, real knee-jerk reactivity, this clenching in my chest and this just whole body wordless wanting to escape, wanting to go away. And so then the question is, could I be with this feeling? The feeling's fear. That's what, I mean, it's just, this is, this is what fear feels like. Could I be with the fear without falling into the imbalance of suppression, which is what I was trying to do the first time, um, escape from it, or over-identifying, like taking the whole, the whole nine yards as the, as the real thing? Could I, without falling into the fight or the flight, could I stay with the simple feeling, straight up simple feeling of fear? in the body. You know, breathing in, breathing out with it, kind of acknowledging where is it in my body? What am I feeling in my body? Next pieces of it was disliking, feeling strong sense of unpleasant, don't like, don't want. Um, nothing about this turning to it made it suddenly bloom a garden of roses and become sweet and pretty. It was, um, unpleasant. The question for me was, am I okay being with the unpleasant? And every time I asked that with it, I was like, yeah, nothing's happening with being with the unpleasant. It's just unpleasant. Can I breathe with this? Yeah, breathe in and out with it. With that kind of being with it kind of came this, this awareness that these feelings come and they go. 
this wasn't my permanent reality for the rest of my life. This would have its, its ending point. It wasn't ending in that moment, but I could acknowledge that it would um, end. So just these two steps were enough to recognize that my reading of that headline and turning it into this catastrophizing story of certain disaster was a story. Did I know how that, did I know that that's what actually would play out? No, I didn't have any idea. I don't, I don't have a crystal ball any better than anyone else. Being with the body, being able to be feeling an ability to be with the fear, that felt both grounding and, and I don't use this word lightly, empowering. The fear was still there, but there was a clear shift from that place where I couldn't stand what I saw in the headline to I can be with this. And I'm actually okay in this moment. If that's all that happens, that's huge. That's a huge shift from going from that place where I'm thinking I can't manage without escaping to be something with something to finding that I can actually be with it. What was interesting in this moment, and notice what this is. This is, this is exactly what Shenzhen Young's talking about. Non-self interference. Can you hear what that, what that, what that um, phrase now means? I'm having this feeling and I'm not interfering with myself having the feeling. I'm giving myself a radical permission to feel what I'm feeling. And I'm using all of my skills of this mindfulness, heart-mind practice to be, to be with this. What was really interesting to me in this moment was the next thing that happened entirely spontaneously. And this is what I call the fruits of our practice, when we start to have spontaneous, deeper wisdom and compassion begin to arise. Um, what arose spontaneously was a clear compassion for those people. Without trying to even think through it, all of a sudden I got that they were caught up in their own knee-jerk reactivity, survival mind-based knee-jerk reactivity manifesting in very painful, very harmful ways. She got the door open, so <laughs> you might see a black cat in just a second. Um, that they were caught up in their own survival-based mind just the same way as I had been. This was a shared, a shared humanness. No matter how painful it was, my knee-jerk escape their knee-jerk into fight, both come from that same source of shared humanness. These were my brothers and sisters in, in this being human. And that was suddenly entirely clear. So it really fascinates me how spontaneous, wise compassion can arise out of non-self-interference. That is absolutely how we're tapping into deeper wellsprings of insight and possibility for being with this being human.
in that moment, it wasn't pleasant. Definitely still not pleasant, but it was a clearer, more connected, natural responsiveness. It was a real moment of clear knowing how to be with the world, just as it is in a way that has a different kind of sanity and balance. For me, that's why we practice, to be able to be with the world just as it is, to be with our lives just as they are in a way that is connected to a naturally wiser, kinder way of being. So I love this um, last quote from Shinzen Young. When feelings are experienced with equanimity, they assume their proper function as motivators and directors of behaviors, as opposed to driving and distorting behavior. That's a powerful possibility that even something like fear has its place to motivate and direct in a positive way, but only when we're not caught off balance by it. So that initial feeling of fear really could have left me feeling angry, stressed out, unconsciously acting that out all day long, but allowing it to give it its natural course and instead became this direct pathway to compassion for the world. So I'm going to finish a um, quote from Oscar Wilde uh, that's been with me for years. I love this. Takes great courage to see the world in all of its tainted glory and still love it. Little rephrase of it. It takes great courage to see ourselves in all of our tainted glory and still know how to offer love to us as well. So let's sit for just a minute. Thank you.